Welcome to the Mislabeled Podcast, a podcast made by women, for women, and about women. Three ladies from different walks of life tackle the topics that nobody is talking about. So buckle up, babes, because here, nothing is off the table, unless you are on the table. Welcome to the Mislabeled Podcast. This is Dr. Shweta Patel. I'm a gynecologist in the Winter Garden community. My name is Ashley Rogers, and I am a women's coaching specialist in the Winter Garden community. And my name is Jessica Villegas. I am a success coach in the Winter Garden community. And together, we are bringing you the Mislabeled Podcast. Today, we're going to be talking about how we have been mislabeled ourselves. The reason we want to talk about this is because, you know, our podcast, we came up with the name Mislabeled because I'm a huge fan of puns. And secondly, because women do tend to find themselves not just being put into categories, but also placing themselves in categories. And I think that it's not always a negative thing. I think that there's also the potential for it to become a limiting belief. And so we came together to create this podcast so that we can bring to attention all the ways that women may be potentially disempowering themselves or being disempowered by others and how we'd like to change that. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I feel like you can also not just get limited by a label, but make yourself only that one thing too. Do you know what I mean? Like let that kind of absorb your entire life which I'll get into with one of mine. So, yeah, I mean, and what you just described sounds like when you become, it becomes your identity. Yes. Yeah. We allow labels to be our identity, but the truth is like our identity is so many different things, not just the one or two labels that others have given us. Recently, I came across a label, which I thought was actually very, it was an eye opener because it had nothing to do with like the typical stereotypes of labels that we might be talking about in a bit, but more like a state of mind label. And, you know, you've heard of like when people are, they have a victim mentality or they're, they're labeled as a victim or they're labeled as a person who is constantly feeling compromised or whatever they've, they've gone through something. And one of the labels that I came across was martyrism or martyrdom. But that was a very interesting concept because, you know, with the label of victim, it sounds more like something that's, there's no power there, even in that label. Whereas martyrdom, it's like self-elected powerlessness. And that was something that really hit me. I was like, whoa. What was the context that it was being used in? It was actually being used in the context of how we are on an average day, get stuck in a mentality of being this way and then use it to justify how we do things that are not serving us. For instance, you know, when you're doing things for others and you think you're doing it out of a good place in your heart, you think you're doing it because it's your responsibility. And in the mind of a martyr, it's done because it's necessary. No one else can do it. It's without them, everything would probably fall apart. And that justifies them compromising themselves to that extent to serve others. But then there's still the undertones of it's not coming from a genuine place of love because it's the ability to then turn around and be like, oh, 
my God, there's just no time in the day. There's just, I have to do this and I have to do that. And, you know, if I don't do it, who will? That tendency to, you know, then feel like you are restrained by your own limitations that you've created, but having some kind of a weird validation by it being like, that's becoming the identity. It's like, oh no, I, I have to do this. I can't take time for myself. I, I have so many things that are dependent on me. And I think we forget that that's not really a state of power, right? Yeah. That's even though it sounds like you have power because so many things are dependent on you, but I think it becomes again, a place where we are disempowering ourselves without even realizing it. I would say that I'm even guilty of doing that mm-hmm. from time to time because my family has become reliant on me to do things and therefore they're not going to do them unless I do them. And then I feel burdened and sometimes resentful because I've given myself the responsibility. I've taken it on. I've never given it to someone else or empowered someone else to do it. And then I feel overwhelmed and obligated to all of these things that probably should have never belonged to me to begin with. Like I mentioned earlier about the deodorant Right. Right. Or the stuff not getting picked up around the house. Like Jessica was mentioning earlier about how there's always somehow an endless supply of the basic necessities like men's deodorant. It always just magically repopulates into the bathroom (laughs) or toilet paper or, you know, socks for my kids or underwear. Right. They actually jump into pairs together on their own. Did you guys know that that was a thing? The fairy godmother, she just comes to the house. The sake godmother. <laughs> Bibbidi bobbidi boo. Uh, now it sounds like alcohol. I need a yeah, sake, sake godmother. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> so, oh, no, I was just saying, I think that as women, we have a tendency to do that to ourselves. And maybe even in the workplace, if I don't do that, it, yeah, if I don't come up with this idea, <laughs> if I don't put this group or this solution or this process in place, no one else is going to do it. And like, to your point, I, I think that, because women are nurturers, because we have, you know, historically done certain things as a traditional gender norm or role in a household or in society, we then just kind of take on these thoughts about ourselves. Like we have to do these things. Mm -hmm. Yep. Ashley, what about you? What are some of the times you felt mislabeled and what has been your experience? Good, bad, neither. Okay, so moving away from martyrdom and going into our personal mislabels. Okay, so I'll talk about a positive one that oddly became a negative for me, and that is the label of being gifted and smart, right? Mm. It sounds like such a compliment. Like, everybody wants to be smart, right? But then it became this identity of, if I don't live up to this, if I'm not the smartest in the room, if I don't get perfect scores... To the point that I almost dropped out of college because the anxiety was so high that what if I didn't live up to this expectation? And of course, people don't intend for you to feel like that when they tell you that. Most of the time. Right? But I latched onto that, like, well, I'm gifted. I'm intelligent. I'm smart. I'm going to go to medical school. I didn't go to medical school. And that's okay. But it almost broke me along the way of trying to fit myself into that label where I'm not good at everything. And that's okay. Not everybody is. Nobody's good at everything. Right. right? So for me, that was a positive that became a negative. 
I mean, I can see another positive straight off the bat from that situation is because I completely can empathize with that label. Because you were, the benchmark had been set for you that you have to be this upper echelon achiever. You know, now you're working your butt off to the level of like mental breakdown, right? But oh, absolutely. As a byproduct of that, you are where you are and you've achieved all what you have achieved. And so, you know, and there's a level of standard now that you have when you do something. And that is ultimately a product of those skills that were learned when that box had been created for you to occupy. It's not a negative box until it doesn't let you grow. Right. And when you become stunted in your growth because of the category that you've been put in, right? You don't have the capacity to adjust because something didn't work out. That's where I feel like our labels become even more negative and even more unconstructive. Jessica, how about you? My label? Yeah. Labels? I think for me, this would sound like a positive. Going to college and furthering my education and making my life better for my children and for my own future. And you would think of that as being a positive thing. However, it was used as a weapon against me within my own family that I thought I was better because I had gone to college. I thought I was better or smarter or I was judging them because I decided to get more education beyond middle school or high school. And your self-confidence was basically used against you. For me, I mean, it was really damaging. It made me question, wait, do I think I'm better? I don't think I'm better. I actually like have a ton of empathy and compassion for people because I've been through a lot of things and I've seen a lot and I've just experienced a lot. And for people who are supposed to love me to use my wanting to be just to get ahead in life, like using that against me, I think is so damaging. And I think that absolutely a lot of people do that. They don't realize that they're doing that. And I've, I can see like how that becomes then an incentive for you to play small right. because you don't want to disrupt the piece. You don't want to, you know, there's two labels there, right? Like there's the label that you have where you are the overachiever, the, you know, uppity person who got farther in life than the rest of the family. And then there's the undertones of in order for me to stay connected with my family, I'm going to have to play within these parameters of who I am. And I think that's like, absolutely. That has such lifelong impact because you can't even enjoy success or you can't even enjoy being rewarded for your, you know, seeing the fruits of your hard work because it takes you farther and farther away from that fractured support system that you're brought up in. Mm -hmm. And, and can you imagine if like, if that was a setting where somebody was as driven as you are, as like mindset goal driven as you are, and then they came home to like a a supportive and like resourceful, you know, you'd be the president today. I'm just going to say like, I, I mean, it would be pretty, pretty cool. We will hear on another podcast what Jessica would do. If she was president. president. Yep. Yeah, that's <laughs> going to be another one. So um, make sure you stay I, tuned for that one. On that note, too, is there's a quote that I, I use a lot with my kids, and it's that lighting someone else's candle doesn't dull yours. 
And I feel when people make comments like that or make people feel like that, it comes from a place of insecurity and it comes from a place of if I light this person's candle, then I'm going to be dim. Right. And they're going to shine brighter than me. And people are going to like that person better when in actuality we should want people to succeed. But not everybody has that emotional intelligence to want others to succeed. Yep, absolutely. One label for me has been, and I'm sure this won't be at all surprising, but the label of being Indian, it's obviously not like a very specific label, but all of the connotations that go with that being, she must be smart. She must be successful. I bet you she's a doctor. Like the, the tendency to then be kind of almost written off as a, oh, well, yeah, I mean, she's an Indian doctor. What else was she going to be? Like, as if this was not a decision that I made mm. of my own volition, it must have been because my parents goaded me into it. Yeah. yeah. I get asked so many times when I, when I, you know, mention my profession, they're like, oh, is your, like, are your parents doctors? And, or did your parents convince you? Or like the assumption is yeah. like, it had nothing to do with my own desire to want to be a physician. And your own hard work. Right. Exactly. Like that's another, like, it's like, super, super we had the doctor gene, you know, it's part of our makeup. So it's so easy to just do it. Yeah. I mean, it's almost hard not to be a doctor if you're Indian, literally. Mm-hmm. Although we don't help the well, situation. if you're not a doctor, you're a lawyer, right? Right. Yeah. Right. <laughs> We don't help the situation. I mean, when you do look up the last name Patel in a hospital database, there are like, you have to get to the letter E in my name in order to find me. I mean, that's how far you need to go down the directory. You are at the top of every directory. What do you mean? (laughs) (laughs) And then another one that I've found has been intended, I guess, in a neutral to negative way, but it's ended up, or at least maybe... I have just then utilized it in a positive way. And I don't know if the feminists in this you know, audience will particularly care for this, but you know, when you realize that because you're a woman, you're expected or automatically assumed to be incapable, less capable, weak, dainty, unaware. Sometimes that kind of helps the situation. And I have totally taken advantage of it because you know what? I have been in so many situations where my label has been a disadvantage and I haven't necessarily been able to, it hasn't been level playing field. And so when the opportunity presents itself to utilize a label that's being used, I wish they weren't, but if they're going to be, then might as well maximize what you know you're getting out of it. So yeah, sure. You know, if somebody's offering to like carry my suitcase, I'll be like, oh, thank you. And I will totally accept, even if I'm capable of doing it myself, because you know what? That's just nice. And it's nice not to have to stress yourself. So yeah, I think that labels can be positive. They can be negative. I think how we then, what we do with them is another, Mm. you know, huge role or plays a huge role in what impact they have on us. And like we had started out discussing, you know, how some people have the tendency to have a martyr identity when that label becomes something like a crutch for you or becomes like a, a weight that keeps you down in your mind. It prevents you from ever being anything other than that's when you have to really reassess 
what box you've allowed yourself to live in. That's hard though, because a lot of times we get these labels as children Mm -hmm. and we don't have that life experience and knowledge or like people like you guys to help talk through that and make sure it's not a limiting label. So when you're told as a kid that you are bossy, right? Especially as women, right? As girls, we are bossy. As boys, we are, they are assertive Mm -hmm. leaders, Mm -hmm. right? So then as a, as a small child being told you're bossy or you're loud, you then tend to put yourself in a smaller box because I was told I'm loud and bossy and I don't want people to think that about me. And I feel like we don't really think about these things until we're all like, I don't think I've thought about these, these labels and what they've done to the way I've lived my life until semi-recently, actually, until I got a good therapist, mm-hmm. <laughs> right? Mm-hmm. Then you realize like, oh, that label was actually really harmful. And it's not serving you anymore. Right. When really being bossy, I was assertive. Mm-hmm. And really when that boy who was being told he's he needs to be assertive and he's probably living with the stress of needing to fit this role mm-hmm. that he's now been created, you know, been created for him. Oh, yeah. or I mean, men have labels right? as well. Right. And it's, it's the, again, going back to like, you can identify them and then use them as something positive. But like you said, Ashley, when, when they're being kind of created for you because you are not, you know, the driver of your car yet, mm-hmm. it, it does have major impact. And Fortunately, I think we've turned out okay. <laughs> the yeah. most a little bit more than that. Yeah, <laughs> I think so. But I mean, I guess I would love Jessica's input as a success coach who works with young adults and teens. Like, do you run into this? Wait, what's the name of your company? Yeah, yeah. Tell us what? <laughs> <laughs> Highlight coaching and consulting. If you haven't heard about it, then you need to move out of the rock you're living under because basically (laughs) everybody in Winter Garden and really just the entire, you know, east, west side of Orlando basically knows about her company. And soon the world. And soon the world. (laughs) I mean, do you run into this where you find that? And I mean, as, as, as a teen and young adult, you're, you're more than likely not aware that you're carrying this label. Sure. What advice do you usually have for them? Well, I think, I think more so advice to the parents who are making assumptions about where their children are in their lives with their mental health, with how they feel about moving forward as young adults is you don't always know what your kids are thinking about, how they view themselves and where coaching can come in for a high performer and even for someone who has clear confidence issues where coaching can be helpful is helping them sift through the thoughts that are unseen, Mm -hmm. right? A lot of us carry these thoughts like I'm bossy. I'm too outspoken as a female. I dress too boyish. I'm a tomboy. My friends are asking me if I'm a lesbian when when I'm not, I just like jeans and baggy t-shirts or whatever, like boys and girls alike. They carry these labels that are given to them throughout their lives, as Ashley was saying earlier, and they're expected, they feel like they impose upon themselves that they're expected to live up to this expectation. They impose upon themselves that because my mom or my dad does this or that as a profession, 
I too should live up to that Mm. unspoken sometimes expectation, Mm -hmm. right? Everybody in my family, they're doctors and lawyers. So I am automatically expected to be one of those. And I'm going to put this pressure on myself to outperform and stress myself out to the point that I'm having high anxiety and panic attacks and low self-esteem so I can get into this law school or this pre-med program so I can be like the rest of my family. And it's important as parents that we are learning to kind of sift through and find where our kids need support in those areas because they don't know any better and they don't know that they're doing it. They need our support to help identify. So when I'm able to identify that as a coach with my clients, I really just put the onus on them to be authentic and ask them, like, what is it you want to see happen for your life? What's a question that you want someone to ask you right now? What's something that you wish other people would consider about you? What are the things that you love most about yourself? And how would you like to use these skills throughout the rest of your life so that you you feel empowered and you feel like you have direction and purpose? If your direction and purpose is not to be an attorney, like the lineage that you come from, then why are we pursuing that when we know that we have zero passion for it? And really just helping push them to discover who they are at their core and how they wanna move forward to live a life of happiness. Because how many of us come from a lineage of specific things in our families and we hit age 30, 40, 50, and we're like, where did the last 10, 20 years of my life go? Why did I pursue that? Why didn't I go toward my dreams of being a cosmetologist or a farmer or a world traveler or whatever it was, right? to be a blacksmith, so. Right, like, and why are are we as parents maybe putting those fires out, you know, at young ages and saying, no, we're a family of attorneys and you will go to law school. As a parent, I'll speak that, that brings up a really good point too, that we need to verbalize to our children that like, hey, just because your dad and I do this, doesn't mean that that's expected of you. We think maybe our kids understand that, but I don't think, you know, they like, so my family, my dad has his degree in physics and he was a fighter pilot for the Navy. My brother got his doctorate in astrophysics, right? right? My brother got his in astrophysics. My mom, personal trainer growing up. What did I do? I went and got my degree in exercise science. So I think we sometimes assume that our parents want these things for them when really it's just what our parents were interested in, right? Yeah, like it's important to to tell our kids, you know, like my 10-year-old the other day was like, hey, mom, I need to lift weights so I can have muscles. Like, you know, you don't have to look like dad, right? Like that's how dad likes to look. You can look how you want to look. He's like, okay. That was the end of that conversation, right? Parenting win. Yeah. Honestly, I'm just realizing when Jessica said, when you were going through all those questions earlier that you ask a teen, what do you like about yourself? What do you want others to consider about yourself? I'm like, whoa, why don't I ask myself that question every morning and like start my day like that? Like, what do I like about myself? What do I want to present to the world today? Yeah. I mean, I feel like the reason our youth are in the state of mind they are in addition to obviously the circumstances that we currently are living in that we didn't have when we were growing up. Sure. Right. But controlling for that, I think the reason they're in the state they are is because of how our generation, the parents of that youth, have not really gotten clear on 
who we are, what we want, what we like about ourselves, why we are doing what we are doing every single day. There's this movie I like to refer to when I'm seeing a patient in my in my office. What company What's is that? What's the name of your business? <laughs> Gaia Wellness. You haven't heard of it. Everybody else has. Everyone else is doing it. Yeah. I mean, so Gaia Wellness is a telehealth company exclusively for women's health. Check it out. Anyways, so one movie that I often reference is Shaun of the Dead. And it's basically the first like four minutes of this movie is this man who is just like walking through his morning routine, stumbling, eyes half open. He basically he looks like a zombie and, you know, he's like grunting and has like no concept of what he's doing, why he's doing it. Like it's just on autopilot, his morning routine to the point where he when he starts walking outside to go to his job, doesn't even realize that the entire world has been taken over by zombies. The movie, basically, I use that as a reference because like Sean in those first few minutes, we all are sort of walking through our lives in a state of zombitude, you know, mm-hmm. and yeah. without really questioning why we do some of the things we still do why we carry some of the labels we still carry. What purpose are they serving us? And I think questioning that within ourselves will give us a better ability to not then project those labels onto others. And I think, you know, really kind of getting in touch with yourself. Um, I mean, please get in touch with yourself otherwise, but you know, just really checking. Contact Gaia Wellness for information on getting in touch with yourself. Yes. (laughs) So, (laughs) hey, self-pleasure is a thing. This is how I talk about it with my clients is like, there's a difference between being actively engaged in your life on a day-to-day basis, which does require some level of presence, right? And then just passively observing, right? This is my life. I'm showing up. I'm doing the things. I'm checking the boxes. Now I'm 40 and I don't know where the where my life went. Mm-hmm. I couldn't tell you a fulfilling moment. Not me personally. Right. I love everything about my life, even the hard parts. But you, you just don't want to get to a point where you're like, where did it all go? You know, you were just like a zombie, right? Mm-hmm. Just walking through the days, passively observing life going by you, not actively engaged, not finding moments of joy, not finding moments of fulfillment, where you're pouring into others, et cetera, et cetera. So mm-hmm. exactly that. Yeah. And kind of going back to... What you said, and this might be like a whole topic in and of itself, is that, you know, we haven't figured ourselves out, but we're trying to raise children. I feel like there's a a big shift happening right now where my parents, what do you mean you're not going to go to the office from nine to five, right? Like, I don't know if if you get that kind of feedback when you're like, I'm going to move Gaia virtual. I'm going to work when I want to work kind of thing. We're making this shift in the world as millennials in how we work that is stressful and and it's different and we're being questioned all the time, which then makes us question ourselves, right? The world is changing. I think, strangely enough, I'm optimistic. I think that we're going... Oh, I think it's a good thing. Yeah, I, I think that we're, we're slowly without realizing it heading in the right direction. I think that the past three years has kind of, you know, demonstrated something very dark about how we are living our lives and the impact it has. Suddenly you wake up and you have lost all of your social support because there's such a thing as a pandemic and you have to actually sit there with your thoughts and come up with ways to, you know, fill up the day. And, And I think a lot of people have realized that they've realized what, 
what the relationships in their lives play, the role they play, the significance, how, like you were saying earlier, how we could be projecting these limiting beliefs or labels on other people, potentially because we are also living those labels ourselves, Mm -hmm. you know, and what an unquestioned life can really look like. And I think that for good or bad, you know, labels are are there, they're going to be there. I mean, the FBI just calls labels like, you know, it's just a way of using, what's that word when you, when the FBI profiling, there you go. Yeah. (laughs) It's an art. Profiling is an art, but you know, if you, it's, it's also another word for labeling or stereotyping or being, you know, generalizing. And I think that the differences in those terminologies are simply when you are using that as a strategy for good versus as a strategy for bad. Mm -hmm. And I think that's where I would like to potentially leave our audience with today. I say question where you are limiting yourself in your life on the day to day because of a label or a constricting belief that you have been carrying for as long as you can remember. Maybe you don't even know how you got it. Mm. And really just, is it serving you? And if not, what are you going to do about it? Let us know. We'd like to hear. All right, everybody. Thanks for listening. Thank you. Thank Thank you you so much. As you can tell, we are novices in the art of podcasting. So this is going to be a growth in progress. And we can't wait to have some of our loyal fans who stuck it out with us from the get-go. Our (laughs) podcast was borderline intolerable. And now we fast forward, become such great, you know, world-renowned podcast show. (laughs) Yeah, bring your popcorn, ladies. Yeah, we'll totally like shout out to you and be like hey you're an og you followed us from the get-go also let your friends know <laughs> all right okay bye my last okay bye mislabeled out thanks for tuning in to the mislabeled podcast be sure to hit the follow button after you finish leaving us a review till next time <laughs>